0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
2: Welcome, 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 welcome Welcome to the Roy Green Show podcast.
0: Joining us on the Roy Green Show on this Saturday, this eventful Saturday, February 19th, as uh, the debate is underway in Canada's Parliament over the Emergencies Act invoked by the truder government joining us is scott Moe, the premier of saskatchewan P- premier good to have you with us how much consultation did you have
3: hey everybody uh thanks for having me on today um we, we did have a phone call uh, from the prime minister which is the minimum uh, that is required and and uh, under the act and and it is also you know the prime minister doesn't have to follow the advice of any particular premier or the premiers as a whole uh, either but we did have a phone call I, I can tell you what i voiced on that call was uh, you should not enact uh, the Emergency Measures Act. It's never been enacted. You haven't met the criteria to enact it uh, at this point. Uh, the police do have tools uh, that they utilized in Windsor, at Emerson, uh, and at the Coutts border crossing to clear those crossings. You should. U- the police should be utilizing those tools elsewhere. And if you are uh, bent on enacting the Emergency Measures Act, you should enact it uh, only in those provinces that are requesting it. You don't have to enact it in all provinces. And so that was the uh, communication that came from Saskatchewan.
0: Uh, we understand as well that uh, Premier Legault was not in favour from Quebec. Were there any other Premiers? Are you at liberty to tell us?
3: I, I, I will say that uh, <laughs> I wasn't alone in, in my views. Uh, Premier Legault, I speak for himself, we had uh, very similar views I think I'd be safe uh, to say on, on enacting this act. You know, listen, uh, the, the police have tools um, and, and they proved to use those tools in, in other areas. And. You know, as I watch uh, the television here today, it absolutely pains me uh, to see what is happening uh, in downtown Ottawa. The, uh, yes, the police are, are doing their job, um, but this lies at the foot of the Prime Minister. Uh, this is a choice uh, that the Prime Minister has made, and it was a choice to either enact the Emergency Measures Act or to communicate with Canadians, um, like all provinces have, as to what the next number of weeks and months like look like, look like with respect to uh, COVID uh, public health measures uh, that have been in place. He chose uh, the Emergency Measures Act, and we're seeing the result of that choice here today. Um, this is Trudeau's Canada. This is what it looks like Uh its his creation. And quite frankly, what I see here today, this is an embarrassment.
0: It is very difficult to watch, very difficult. And the question that I have, Premier, and I'll ask you as well, I'll you know, well, ask you, wasn't there a sense, didn't you have the sense that Mr. Trudeau could have acted a lot sooner and a lot less dramatically?
3: Absolutely. Uh, and 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 all levels of law enforcement like, could come together like they have here in Saskatchewan, provincial levels, uh, federal levels, the RCMP, as well as our municipal levels, uh, to support one another and utilizing the tools that they have available, like they do in, in any other protest, to ensure that Uh, you know, people uh, do have the right to be heard uh, in peaceful protests. Uh, They, they however, do need to follow the laws that are in place. And when they're not following those laws, the the police should be enforcing those laws and they should be doing so immediately. Uh, That didn't happen uh, in this case in Ottawa. It's happened in many other cases where the, the police have been, uh, you know, much more prudent in in, uh, in in enforcing the law and communicating with protesters in the lead-up to a protest as to what the laws are and what the consequences of breaking them will be. And, uh, you know, so we, we have seen in our province, for example, uh, many peaceful protests with, you know, very, very minimal, uh, if, if maybe a couple of arrests.
0: I don't want to overstate the case, but it seems to me that Mr. Trudeau has, if not an affection for, the emergencies act he has it in his top drawer because in april of 2020 he was prepared to engage the emergencies act and consulted with all the premiers and you uh unanimously well not unanimously premier um higgs of novice new brunswick was in favor but the rest of the premier said no correct
3: i mean he seems to have well he's enacted it now or at least he's uh he's enacted it, it hasn't been passed by the house of the house of commons and, and you know listen uh, outside of wartime the only other time uh, that an act like this has been uh, enacted on canadians uh, literally on canadians was uh, was with the father um so you know now we see uh, the current prime minister another trudeau uh, enacting uh, the little sister of the of the war measures act on canadians and receiving that play out on live on live tv here uh, today uh, as i said uh, you know, the prime minister, the federal government had another choice. Um, they had a choice to do what every other province, every province has done, uh, in this, in this nation and is to communicate clearly, um, where we're going in the next while with respect to our COVID, our COVID public health measures. Uh, Roy, there is, there is a way for this to, to stop. Uh, this, this act can be stopped in its tracks by the Jagmeet Singh and the NDP withdrawing their support. And I, I would hope, after what uh, all MPs are seeing play out on, on television here today, that they would most certainly be revisiting uh, whether or not they're going to vote in support of Justin Trudeau's uh, emergency act. Um, and I, I would hope that they, that constituents of those MPs, are reaching out to their MP and saying, "Don't support this. Um, don't support using the emergency act or or the sister of the War Measures Act on Canadians."
0: Yeah, the NDP, one of their cornerstones for existence is to support public protest.
3: Tommy Douglas didn't years ago when the when the father tried to bring in the War Measures Act. I say me, Yeah.
0: Premier, moving on, you and Premier Kenney and 16 U.S. governors are urging Mr. Trudeau, who's always in the middle of these things, are urging Mr. Trudeau to suspend the cross-border trucker vaccine mandate. Talk to us about that, please
3: well it was suspended for you know many many months uh when from from since it has been implemented and you know listen our our this is at the very heart of, of what's happening today in downtown ottawa as well i think it's grown to be much broader about vaccine mandates and and covid uh public health uh measures uh more broadly um but t- two reasons uh one truckers have been the the folks that have went uh you know crossed the border uh down throughout the us uh throughout this pandemic Prior to vaccines, prior to rapid tests, prior to any of the tools that we are managing uh, with uh, here today, um, and they most certainly should be exempt uh, to continue to, you know, provide the goods uh, and keep our supply chains sound uh, across North America. And we do, and I've spoken on this show many times about the importance of having a, a strong North American economy, and not just a Canadian economy or, or a strong U.S. economy. We needed that strong North American economy. Um, second. Uh, is uh, with respect to uh, you're precisely uh, this, the uh, the th- these mandates um, are necessary. Have been necessary for a period of time, but we are finding our way through them, utilizing other tools that we have available. Rapid tests, for for example, we have early intervention treatments, monoclonals, and now Paxlovid that are available. And we need to start to heal the divisions that we have in this in this nation. And the way for us to do that is to start moving away from talking about who's vaccinated and who isn't. So start moving away from talking about what our daily case numbers are. We're finding our way through this pandemic. We have tools available today that weren't available six months and one year ago. Let's use those tools. Let's come together as Canadians and let's really achieve all that we can in in this post-COVID environment that is I think uh, we have the opportunity uh, to, to really succeed in this. Case. We aren't going to be able to do that if we if we have these deep divisions that are, quite frankly, being fostered by the Prime Minister uh, at the moment.
0: As long as the Emergencies Act is required, who establishes that? Because the constitutional rights of each and every Canadian are compromised while that EA is in place.
3: Yeah, absolutely, uh, it is, and I, I think that's... Uh, you know, in addition to what I see uh, happening uh, play out uh, virtually, live, I think live on on television here today, um, it's just a, a, a disappointing time for me uh, as a Canadian. Uh, there was another path, uh, you know, a path to really de-escalate some of the divisions that we're experiencing as Canadians. It's been a long two years for everybody, uh, whatever you do uh, in your day, and it's it's time for us now to to move through this. And this is what we're seeing in in Saskatchewan is people are far more willing to live with the the risk of COVID in their community, given the tools that they have, vaccines, rapid tests, uh, the knowledge that we have uh, to keep ourselves safe. They're far more willing to live with the risk of COVID than they are to live with uh, additional public health measures uh, out into the next number of months. And so you've seen every province come forward with a plan of what the next weeks and months look like in de-escalating the health measures that are in place save for the federal government the federal government is the outlier uh they they have not come forward with that plan and i i would say uh, that would have been a a far more successful effort in bringing canadians together than enacting uh, the the emergency act on canadians calling canadians racists calling canadians misogynists um there was another path the prime minister purposefully didn't take it and uh, for me i i I find that just tremendously disappointing as a Canadian uh, here today.
0: The name calling is really disturbing. It's below the office of prime minister to name call as much as this prime minister does, and and I know that disturbs that disturbs you, Premier. Let's talk about the divide in this country. It's been generally it's been described as an east west divide, and then it's just been forgotten. Well, always been that way. Always will be that way. Far more serious now. The challenges that we face as a nation and as people are in front of us, and we have to address them at this time. Do you have a sense that there is the will uh, to, to do it? What, what's your sense when you work with the premiers, when you work with the prime minister? Is there enough cohesion to create um, a fundamental forward momentum that we're all engaged in? We
3: have to. Um, and 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 if it isn't this government, then it needs to be a different government. Uh, listen, uh, I hear about divisions, east west, rural urban. I hear about divisions uh, all the time, and I have no time uh, to discuss um, anything about those divisions. In Saskatchewan, we hear about a rural urban division. Here here's the fact: um, it's actually a synergistic relationship between rural and urban in Saskatchewan. We have, you know, natural resources. Most of those are located in rural Saskatchewan. What we do is we mine, uh, we produce, we add value to those natural resources and we make them available to the world. Who does that? People often that live in urban Saskatchewan. So we have the natural resources located in our rural areas People from both rural and urban Saskatchewan come and, and add value to those resources, fuel, food, fertilizer, and we offer that to the world. Uh, the, the, the relationship is synergistic, whether it's east, west, whether, wherever, uh, we, whatever divide we think uh, is present here in Canada. Trust me, if you think hard enough about it, you will find a synergy in that relationship. And that is really what we need to do uh, if we are going to achieve uh, the opportunities that lie before us. Uh, Roy, credit to you for the, the show you're having tomorrow looking ahead uh, to the next 20 years, um, Saskatchewan. Uh, we've attracted over $13 billion in private investment in the forestry industry and in the mining industry and in the, the canola crush to the value added food industry. Um, we're going to be part of uh, providing our products to the world in the time ahead. and We've never been more excited and what we need to do in this province and this nation is come come together Uh, as Canadians, so that we can realize our full potential in the years ahead. Don't let this virus beat us.
0: Yeah. The Canadian Federation of Independent Business writes, as the Saskatchewan government begins to lift COVID restrictions, this is from February 15th, across the province, new data from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business shows most small business owners in Saskatchewan support the removal of public health measures such as PCR border tests, proof of vaccination, vaccine mandates for employees, and masking rules. So you have small business on your side, Premier, and uh, that's very clear. Let me ask you something else. We talk about the uh, the phone. We have about three minutes. Time goes by so quickly when you're on the air with us. We have, um, we have this North American economy, but we have the reality of what's going on within our borders, and then provincially, but on the national scale, We have the Consumer Price Index rising at its fastest rate since the CPI was introduced 23 years ago. Canada's inflation rate passed 5% in January. That hasn't been seen in 31 years. Groceries are up 6.5%, January 22 versus January 21, and shelter costs up 6.5%. Difficult times. How do we address that?
3: Well, we we address it uh, in. Let me just go back to small business for a moment. We lost a, uh, a you know a very valuable friend of of mine, a great friend of mine, a great friend of so many uh, in Regina. Uh, this this past week is uh, in John Hopkins. He uh, was the executive director of our Regina Chamber of Commerce. And uh, when you talk about small business uh, supporting uh, the removal of restrictions, John was always reminding everyone that you know small business is not a, a just a business. A uh, small business is all of the families uh, that are the individuals that are working in that business providing money and an income uh, for their families and, and really bettering uh, their community. And so small business is all of us. Uh, in particular, in the province of Saskatchewan, the, the rising inflation rate that we have uh, here in this in in this this nation is we we need to be paying attention to that, and it's all the more reason for us to come together and and really work at uh, you know providing the, uh, the the sustainable products from Saskatchewan and from Canada to the rest of the world, and doubling down on our our efforts to attract uh, that investment, to attract those jobs, and and expand our our opportunities, um, and 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 to quit this divisive. Conversation around who's vaccinated, who isn't, who who, uh, you know what this virus is, is doing. I'd ask and I'd call on our prime minister uh, to to lay down the the divisive language that he's been using. Uh, step away from this emergency act, and most certainly uh, focus on bringing uh, getting our truckers back to work. Uh, those that that might not be getting everyone back to work and engaged in, in building uh, whatever business or. Um, uh, Whatever industry they're involved in, um, providing for ultimately for their family and giving back to their communities. This is this is how we we do do well. Um, but we're going to have some challenges ahead of us. When you look at the you know the money that we've loaned as a nation, the money that we quite likely have printed uh, as a nation, we we have some significant challenges with inflation ahead of us, and we need to we need to approach them together with a united front. And we we have to get through these divides before uh, we can address any of this other.
0: The constitutional rights of each and every Canadian are being affected by the Emergencies Act. That's just the way it is. If, for example, and this is pointed out by the CCLA, if a public gathering, peaceful public gathering, is declared to be illegal, inappropriate, uh, whatever term they may use, and you go to that peaceful protest, uh, you will, your, your information is going to be passed on to CSIS, and to the RCMP. Bank accounts can be frozen. These are all things that can happen because the Emergencies Act is in place. Scott Moe is the Premier of Saskatchewan. Premier, have I misstated anything here?
3: Hi, I was uh, just listening uh, to the statement in the House there, uh, the other day about uh, introducing the Emergency Act. And, and can you imagine, you know, understanding what we're seeing uh, today if, uh, you know, if he had rose uh, in, his, in his place and, and said something more uh, to the effect of, you know, today we have, tools that we just simply didn't have in battling covid a year ago we have those tools available today and Canadians are using them we understand that most Canadians are uh as we go forward through the next number of weeks and months are willing to live with the risk of covid as opposed to live with the public health measures being uh instilled on them uh, by governments uh, we'd ask Canadians to continue doing their personal risk assessment uh every every morning and with respect to the protesters, uh, you can't be there. You're breaking the law. The police have tools and we will be, the police will be supported in utilizing those tools. But as we move forward, we need to not focus on, you know, what, you know, what uh, other people's uh, decisions are, whether they're wearing a mask, whether they're vaccinated, whatever that might be. As we move forward, we need to be accepting of of the people in our, in our family, in our, in our friend group, in our, in our community at work, and we need to be respectful of the, of the decisions that they ultimately make and understanding that we're all using the tools that are available to us available to us in battling this virus. And here is what the federal public health measures will look like over the next weeks and months in, in starting to remove them. They can't be there forever. Had he said something like that, we likely would be having a very different situation uh, in in Ottawa today.
0: Yeah. So now we have to do repair work, and uh, and it's it has to be done quickly. It has to be done efficiently. It has to involve everyone, every group in this country that has a vested interest and wants to get involved. It should involve them. I just I, I wonder whether we have, and this is what we'll talk about tomorrow. I wonder whether we have the actual uh, desire to create this kind of relationship at this point because so much is strained. Premier, let me ask you this. Uh, what's the relationship like between the provinces and Ottawa? A couple of years ago, six premiers, you included, sent a letter to Mr. Trudeau concerning two pieces of legislation. Uh, it was the uh, tanker legislation on the West Coast, and uh, and the other one was, remind me please, what was C-48 again? 69. C-48 was,
3: uh, so we had the tanker on the West Coast, and then the other one was the uh, the pipeline
0: Right, right. So, so when we have that, we have six premiers, you included, sending a letter to Mr. Trudeau telling him at that time that it was a national unity issue and he scoffed at it. What do we have? What's the reality now in the relationship between the provinces and the federal government? Because if we need the leadership from the provinces, uh, working with the federal government to create momentum for the rest of the country, is there, is there cooperation between the, among the provinces and the federal government?
3: Well, I, I would start with the provinces. There's absolutely cooperation across party lines, I might add, at the Council Federation table, which is the 13 premiers of 10 provinces and three uh, three territories. And uh, I've been quite proud, actually, to be a part of of a, a group of, of premiers, and they've changed over the, the past few years uh, with what we've been able to agree on <laughs> and, and coming from very different parties and coming from very different areas of Canada. Uh, you know, we've been able to agree on a, a number of things and, and to move forward on a number of things. Um, where the challenge comes is when we go to the first minister's table and we bring uh, the prime minister uh, to that table. The most recent challenge is on, on having the federal government fully fund a, a healthcare system, a provincially delivered healthcare system in this nation. They've fallen short uh, to the point of about $28 billion a year um, that didn't all happen in one year. It's happened over uh successive years. But uh the federal government does need to step up and, and be a partner in, in funding healthcare, uh like they have in decades gone by. So the the relationship between the provinces and, and the federal government, I think, is always strained uh to some degree, but I would say it's in particular in particularly strained uh today. Uh given the uh yes, there's consulting by the federal government, but quite often Uh, We'll see the federal government, as is the case with this Emergency Measures Act, uh, go a very different way than uh, what many of the provinces might be uh, providing advice on.
0: Hmm. Email from Denise to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Good afternoon, Roy, the Premier of Saskatchewan. Mr. Scott Moe has so much common sense, which is very hard to find these days. Keep up the great work, Mr. Moe. I'm seeing quite a bit of that. What about the issue of energy and energy supply and energy delivery? Premier, we have lots of energy. We were, we were going to be the exporting nation, the energy exporting nation for the world 10 years ago. Now we can't even take care of our own supplies for ourselves. We we're, Pipelines are essentially a debt issue in Canada. You have uh, energy options in Saskatchewan, which the federal government doesn't seem to be particularly enamored with, and I'm being very liberal in my description, what about the energy issue?
3: So, hey, good question, and I'm sure this will be something that you discuss in your in your show uh, tomorrow. And I, you know, there is a little bit, and I tweeted a, about this, I shared on social media the difference or, or the um, the irony of of uh, what happened uh, this week, the most violent protest uh, that we've had in the, in the last number of weeks is actually not uh, in Ottawa, has nothing to do with COVID. But was out in British Columbia at the site of the coastal gas link pipeline, one of their construction sites where we saw, you know, a, a violent confrontation uh, with protesters. Um, and I put forward just uh, to suggest that the, maybe the emergency act should be used there to seize vehicles and track down any of the money that funded uh, those protesters in that situation. And, you know, that, that's an indicator uh, that, that particular a piece of export infrastructure is is indicative of what we need to be looking at in this in this nation the world is transitioning yes canada is also transitioning away from oil Uh, but in the meantime uh, the world should be looking at purchasing that oil from uh, the most sustainable sources and i i always say uh, with respect to saskatchewan and what we're doing and methane uh, reductions what we're doing with enhanced oil recovery we have some of the most sustainable oil some of the lowest carbon uh energy that you can you can purchase. And we should be uh, getting that to not only other Canadians so that we don't have a governor from Michigan that can threaten uh, to shut down our energy supply in in Eastern Canada or Central Canada. Uh, We should be looking at energies and that should be back on the table. We should be looking at uh, Keystone XL and repairing that relationship with the Biden administration so that we can actually build that type of infrastructure and provide some of the most sustainable uh, resources uh, to the world. I still think those projects and others will happen, uh, not under our current Canadian administration, but uh, he won't be here forever and Canadians will be. And I, I think we will get some of this infrastructure across the line and, and really be able to address uh, energy security and if you're wondering, what can happen when you don't have energy security? Look at what's happening in, in, uh, with Russia, with Ukraine, and, and Europe. the reaction of Europe, who is reliant on Russia for much of their, their energy supply. Uh, we should be paying attention to that, and we should be taking care of Canadians.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail.
2: optimistic, hopeful vision for public life isn't a naive dream. It could be a powerful force for change. If Canadians are to trust their government, their government needs to trust Canadians. Those are the words of the Prime Minister in 2015. These people, very often misogynistic, racist, women haters, science deniers, the fringe. Same Prime Minister, six years later, as he fans the flames of an unjustified national emergency. So, Mr. Speaker, when did the Prime Minister lose his way. When did it happen?
4: The Right Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, Conservative Party members can stand with people who wave swastikas. They can stand with people who wave uh, the Confederate flag. We will choose to stand with Canadians who deserve to be able to get to their jobs, who be able to get their lives back. These illegal protests need to stop, and they will, Mr. Speaker.
0: Conservative Member of Parliament Melissa Lanceman, and the Prime Minister of Canada in Canada's Parliament just a couple of days ago. The whole country's aware of that exchange now. Ms. Lanceman, who's Jewish, expects an apology from the Prime Minister. She said so, and what did he do? He turned around and walked out. Melissa Lanceman joins us on the Roy Green Show. What I'm curious about, Ms. Lanceman, is what were you thinking as he was saying that?
2: Well, look, uh it's it's never it's never easy to hear that uh, i it doesn't matter if you've been in parliament for six months like i have six years or 17 years when the prime minister of a g7 country uh, gets up and accuses uh, uh, any member of parliament of standing with uh, hate symbols but particularly a member of parliament who has a history and is a descendant a grandchild of holocaust survivors uh, say that say that i stood with nazi flags that is irresponsible and i always knew it to be the case and he's shown the whole world
0: has there been since that time any attempt at communication with you by either mr trudeau or one of his representatives in the pmo
2: no and i don't expect there will and it's actually even worse than that i think those who uh support the prime minister and on and on the basis of all of these COVID measures or what he has done over the last two years uh have doubled down on this the 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 communication that's coming through my social media and to my staff in the office is absolutely vitriolic and the prime minister needs to know that he is fanning that flame uh, that he is responsible for that that he is responsible for the continued division in this country uh and and puts in jeopardy i think the safety of parliamentarians
0: Uh, i saw postings online that were very difficult for me to believe i pretty much believe anything online these days but they were so vitriolically anti-Semitic and directed toward you. Uh, it really worries me about the state of mind of some people in this country, and that nobody's really. Call- I just don't hear enough people calling them out.
2: Yeah, look, I I don't think this is a new problem. In fact, I, I'm not only my Jewish member of Parliament, but I represent one of the largest Jewish constituencies, the largest Jewish constituency in this country. And we've been, I've been calling out anti-Semitism since well before. I was elected, and, you know, it's it's times like this that show the world uh, that things are getting worse and, uh, and not better, and it's not just the quiet uh, anti-Semitism that some feel uh, behind closed doors. It is out in the open, uh, and this country needs to do something about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, may I just ask you to uh, share with us what's going on as far as the debate on the Emergencies Act that uh, Mr. Trudor decided to... We all need to do uh, to experience what's going on in well, Parliament.
2: So, what's going on in Parliament right now is that we've got uh, we've got a number of debate debate days left. Uh, we're in the midst of uh, of the second day of debate on uh, on the Emergencies Act. We have another full day uh, tomorrow and the day after, and uh, my understanding is there will be a vote uh, uh, on this. So, members of Parliament are are discussing. Uh, whether there is a justification for for the Emergencies Act. And I don't think we've heard anything from the Liberal government in terms of evidence as to why they were using such a blunt instrument for the first time in history to quell uh, the dissent that's right now happening in the streets of uh, of Ottawa and not at the border crossings uh, and not anywhere else in the country.
0: So the Conservative Party, or party, and the Bloc Québécois have made it clear that they're going to vote against the uh, adoption The official adoption of the Emergencies Act, which compromises the constitutional rights of each and every one of us, Um, but the the New Democrats have said that they will vote unless they change their mind. And since I've been on the air, they'll vote with uh, with the Liberals, which surprises me because the New Democrats supposedly are uh, a party whose one of their cornerstones is supporting public protest.
2: Yeah, look, I think uh, I think most Canadians are surprised. They are the uh, they are the party of uh, of protesters, and they are long. This is. Far beyond the party of, uh, of somebody like Tommy Douglas, I wonder what he would think of today's uh, NDP. Um, look, this is going to be looked at as a as precedent setting, and I don't think history is going to be kind on those who uh, who voted to enact it. Every time there is a protest in the in the in front of Parliament Hill, we haven't used this in other cases. We haven't used this in a true crisis in uh, in Canada. We don't use it when there's rail blockades or or, or blockades of uh, of, uh, of gas lines. Um, by you know by the left, frankly, and I think that uh, that next time this happens, the 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 government will be quick to use this power and and normalize it, and that's the problem that we're uh, that we're facing, and that's what we're arguing in Parliament today, tomorrow, and the day after.
0: One more one more question for you. I just spent forty five minutes with Scott Moe, the Premier of Saskatchewan. And a recurring theme in the conversation with the Premier was the Premier's sense that this is the most divisive Prime Minister Canada has experienced. And he expressed great concern about the approach Mr. Trudeau has taken, particularly with this Emergencies Act. But generally, just not having the um, – that doesn't seem to have a great interest in uniting Canadians. It seems to be more interested in dividing Canadians well, what is your you're sitting, you're sitting in a building. This is the people's building where you expect pragmatic management of the people's affairs to take place. You, you agree with Premier Moe that is that what you're seeing from Mr. Trudeau?
2: I absolutely agree uh, with Premier Mo. From the first second that I took my seat in that House of Commons, that's all I've seen, and it's very different than the than the Prime Minister that we saw in the uh, in the last election. We have a Prime Minister whose leadership, whose abdication of leadership, has brought us to this point. It didn't need to be here, and I think that he's lost control of the situation, and I think he's lost control of the country. I think he's lost control of some of the members of his own caucus. And certainly, he's lost control of his leadership because what he's doing right now is to protect only that. It's not to protect the best interest Canadians. It's to protect his political future.
0: Mm-hmm. I have one more question for you, though. Always one more. Um, I promise this is the last one. What's your view okay. as you as, as you look out at what's going on in the city of Ottawa now? How what's your what's your yeah what's your pragmatic reaction? What's your just Canadian reaction to what you're seeing?
2: I think there's a lot of things that could be true at the same time. We do have to protect people's right to uh, uh, to, to protest. Uh, that is enshrined. I think it's also right to say uh, that blockades are illegal uh, and they have to go. Uh, and those two things can be true at the same time. And using an instrument like this uh, to quell political dissent, to freeze people's bank accounts, to uh, to potentially put them uh, at a loss for the rest of their lives because they feel frustrated with how the government has handled this pandemic, is a real stain on our history. And I think it's a I think it's a bad day for Canada. And I think the next days will be bad days for Canada because when the trucks are gone, the division that he has sown will still be
4: there.
0: Alistair McGregor on the line with us now. The public safety critic for the New Democratic Party joins us on the Roy Green Show. Mr. McGregor, thank you for joining us. How are you?
4: I'm very well, thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Yeah, good
0: to have you with us. Are you, is the party going to, uh, in fact, side and vote with the the Liberals on the Emergencies Act, or have you decided yet?
4: Uh, Yes, at this point we do feel that the evidence shows that uh, there is, uh, that we do need to implement the act. Uh, However, it should be noted that we aren't handing them a blank check and uh, we are going to be watching very closely. And as soon as we feel that the Emergencies Act is no longer needed, we will take the steps to make sure that it's no longer in force. Have you decided what
0: uh, the parameters would be that would make it no longer needed?
4: Well, I I guess, as you can imagine, it's a pretty fluid situation right now. Um, I mean, the Ottawa Police made it very clear that they were in need of the Emergencies Act so that they could muster the necessary resources to reclaim the city for downtown businesses, residents and workers. And I know there have been a few attempts at some of the border crossings to try and reestablish blockade. So I think we just want to have feedback from local law enforcement that they have the situation well in hand. And I think, you know, they are professional. They're, they're doing what they were trained to do. And as soon as we see evidence that they've got the situation well in hand, then we will no longer have need of this, of this legislation. There
0: was, there was, as you know, a significant amount of criticism of the Ottawa police for not having acted uh, quickly enough and energetically enough with, uh, with the protesters, with the trucks that were, that were blocking the city. Um, and I spoke with Scott Moe, the premier of Saskatchewan in the last hour, and he said police didn't exhaust their, their resources. However, did Mr. Trudeau consult with the NDP on invoking the Emergencies Act before doing so and did your party greenlight him if he did
4: yeah those conversations were definitely going on between the prime minister and uh, mr singh and uh you know going back to what you said about the ottawa police yeah you know the i think the citizens of ottawa absolutely felt abandoned by all three levels of government and you know their city basically was taken away for them from them for the last three weeks so You know, we are at the place that we're at because of a failure of leadership. There was a failure in intelligence gathering, in coordinating the necessary forces. And so now we find ourselves in a place after a local declaration of emergency, a province declaration of emergency. Now the federal government has finally stepped in to make sure that the necessary resources are there uh, for the citizens of Ottawa.
0: the, The question again is whether or not the EA is required. The Canadian Civil Liberties Association points out that it affects the constitutional rights of every Canadian, including you, Mr. McGregor. The CCLA points out that uh, that uh, if, for example, there were um, a decision or a declaration that a peaceful assembly is inappropriate, and if you attended and I attended such a peaceful assembly under the EA, then my bank accounts would be required to be turned over, my financial information would be required to turn over to the CSIS S- 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 and the RCMP, as well as potentially freeze my bank accounts and stop financial services for me. That's a that's a huge reach, and for the first time since that legislation was, uh, was in fact passed. I, d- I don't understand why the NDP is going along, because public protest is one of the cornerstones of your party, isn't it?
4: Public protests are incredibly important, and I actually welcome the scrutiny from the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. I think that's incredibly important. This is precedent-setting, right? This is the first time this Act has been used. What I would say, however, is that if you look within the Act, uh, it is very much subject to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and to the Bill of Rights. And there are measures in there for strong parliamentary oversight. For example, it only takes uh, 20 members of Parliament to signal that they want to have a debate in Parliament to revoke the uh, enactment of the Act and so we are holding the cards in that respect we will be watching very closely there will be parliamentary oversight and as soon as we feel that the act is no longer needed uh, or that law enforcement have the situation well in hand we will take the necessary steps to bring things back to normal
0: do i hear you saying that you have doubts that mr trudeau would act to uh, to shelve to move back from the emergencies act that the ndp will be really have to police this and make sure the prime minister stays online
4: Well, that's a job that we in the opposition do quite regularly, right? It's our job to keep the government to account. I mean, Mr. Trudeau can answer questions about uh, what the Liberal government intends to do, but I can tell you from our perspective, we are going to be watching like hawks, and any time that we feel there is any kind of overreach, we will take the necessary steps. That's what Canadians feel uh, that opposition parties should be doing, and we will take our job very seriously in this regard.
0: Okay, so the CCLA saying that... uh The uh, EA, in fact, compromises the constitutional rights, yours, mine, every other Canadian's, that the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, they're not the only uh, group that's challenging, saying that our constitutional rights are being violated, compromised, by the engagement of the Emergencies Act at this particular time. Under these particular circumstances, that's still not enough to sway your party.
4: No, uh, again, I welcome their scrutiny, but it should be known that the application of the act in this case is very specific. Uh, It has been declared an illegal uh, occupation uh, for some time now, and the Ottawa police have made it known for several days that police action was coming. You can't say that uh, no one didn't receive warning. Uh, The application of the act, especially with people who might be funding it, is very specific. You have to be actually linked to participating in this unlawful assembly, and again, I I want your listeners to understand, this is so that the people of Ottawa, the small business owners, the workers and the residents can have their city back because they have not had control for the last three weeks.
0: Okay, so there was no other option. This was the, well, maybe you're telling me that Mr. Trudeau didn't understand other options that were available to
4: him. Yeah, I think there were other options, right? Like, Like I said earlier, uh, where we're, we are where we're at because of a failure of Mr. Trudeau. He was missing an action for the last two and a half weeks. And he's finally come to a place where he has to use the sledgehammer option. It should not have come to this. There was a failure of law enforcement. There was a failure of coordination. And there was a failure in intelligence gathering. You know, everyone just seemed to be asleep at the switch before they realized just how big this was going to be. And as a result, the people of Ottawa have had to suffer for the last three weeks. So I agree with you. It should never have come to this point. But we are where we're at. And we have to take the necessary steps. And as soon as uh, the situation is dealt with, uh, we'll take the necessary steps to ensure that law enforcement, again, have uh, control of their city with their citizens' backing.
0: The United States says it has every indication Russia is about to invade Ukraine. Will Putin make this move? Is NATO a real deterrent or viewed by Putin as a paper tiger. Dr. Yuri Felstinsky joins us, Russian-American historian, author of The Corporation, Russia and the KGB in the Age of President Putin. And another book by Dr. Felstinsky is Blowing Up Russia. The book is banned, as I said earlier, in Russia. Mr. Putin has no particular affection at all for my guest, Dr. Felstinsky. Yuri, thank you very much for taking the time. What do you think the chance is that Putin will, in fact, attack Ukraine? Biden says it's going to happen.
5: Well, my opinion is that he is not bluffing, that uh, he will attack. At the same time, uh, there is also a bluff, and Putin is still hoping that NATO, European Union, United States, Canada will basically give up everything and would not risk to have a war. And he is demonstrating now that he is not uh, planning to stop with Ukraine, actually, because the nuclear drill which they had today uh, is an indication that he is preparing Russia for the World War III.
0: World War III.
5: Well, it's very possible. You see, the problem is that we are not talking about uh, Ukraine only. If he is successful uh, with Ukraine, if he is allowed to take Ukraine, he will proceed to Moldova. Part of the Moldova effectively is under Russian control now. There is a portion of Moldova where ethnic Russians are living, and Russia keeps there an army. Uh, so he will proceed uh, further to Moldova. And for practical purposes, he quietly also took control over Belarus. So for practical purposes, he is going to have common war border with all three uh, Baltic republics, Poland, uh, Slovakia, and uh, again, Moldova, which is not a member of NATO, will be under risk of the Russian occupation as well. So uh, we are not talking about Ukraine. He is not going to stop with Ukraine if he is allowed to proceed.
0: Does he at all fear NATO and Western governments, or does he believe that Western governments are going to just engage in a policy of appeasement?
5: Well, I hope we are not talking about appeasement. The problem is that uh, up until now, we were thinking about sanctions which might be introduced after Putin is uh, attacking uh, Ukraine. The problem is that if he's to to hold his army along the Ukrainian border, uh, damaging Ukrainian economy and basically, you know, not allowing Ukraine to live normal life. I would say now it's time to introduce sanctions before Putin uh, invades, uh, since he is not pulling troops back uh, into Russian territory. So he's uh, he. the way it continues now, he doesn't need actually to invade Ukraine. Meaning that he holds the world hostage and he ruins, uh, Ukrainian, uh, economy, uh, in a great, uh, in a great sense. So it's, it's very complicated situation. But once again, I would say now we probably should start to talk with him harder, not softer, because the diplomacy in which we were involved does not actually lead us. Anyway, he's uh concentrating more troops, not less. Uh he's testing more weapons, not less. He's preparing a Russia for the whatever, World War. And uh he's uh it's not that he's winning uh propagandistic war. No, he's losing it, because the entire world now knows that he actually is uh, planning to start a major European war at least but uh, but in terms of continuing to ruin everything for us uh, he is doing this effectively you know very very well I, I guess he's happy with the results so far because so far he is doing what he wants and there is no punishment at this point <laughs>